Kerry Adams and you're listening to Kerry's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Welcome to Kerry's Connoisseurs and today in my studio I have a well-loved, very well-loved old friend in the form of Charles Beck with me. In 1995, I think it was, Charles Beck took over Fairview from his father, who was an equal legend. The rest is pretty much history. But I'm speaking to him today about two things that I need you all to know about. The one is, is that I chaired... Well, first of all, hello, Charles. Welcome. Hello, Carrie. Nice to see you again and speak to you. And you. A couple of weeks ago, I chaired a panel where we were tasting Malbecs made in South Africa. And the Fairview 2021 Malbec won. Charles is so humble that he didn't even know that it had won, but it has won. And it's unbelievably good value for money. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. But he told me there was a proviso that if he spoke to me about his Malbec, he also wanted to tell me another story, which I think you're all going to find completely fascinating. So, Charles, firstly, um, the Malbec... You really are, I think, the pioneer of strange and wonderful grapes in South Africa. Why? I think that uh, we were caught up in apartheid years and we were denied access to the international market and we were stuck basically with about six major varieties. Cab, Shiraz, Chenin Blanc, and then later Chardonnay arrived, and later Sauvignon Blanc arrived. But so we didn't really have the opportunity to test everything that should or could grow well in South Africa. When I went into the business, I immediately realized that the the varieties that we have are not necessarily all suited to our climatic conditions. Um, one, I can say definitely Chenin Blanc and Pinotage, 100%. Cabernet, uh, in isolated pockets, does exceptionally well, as does Sauvignon Blanc. But I was looking for something that had better general adaptability to our condition. And I tried, I have tried this about everything uh, that I could lay my hands on. And I have enough land to plant these things and do experiments and be brave and so where sometimes do you get reckless. All those great, where do you get all those vines from? Did you import them or how did you find them? Uh, well, I didn't smuggle them in in suitcases as <laughs> happened Rubbish, in the I past. I bet you did, sub. <laughs> no, no, no I, I'm a squeaky clean as far as that's concerned. I worked with nothing our local authorities. <laughs> no, nothing. Not no even a sleeping bag. Not even. Like that. No, nothing. I don't, I've got no money in my furniture either. So, <laughs> so I, I got them in through legal ways. We're working together with Nitfa Bay, the institute. And, this, you know, South Africa's got an amazing library of clonal material. And it's just to put pressure on the system to get them to propagate. And so you create a demand for something and ask them, and then invariably they have assisted us in getting material. I brought like Vionia, for instance, Tempranillo, uh, Carignan, uh, Grenache. We've worked on a lot of those varieties to get them into South Africa. And at the moment I'm working on uh, Grenache Gris, uh, trying to get that. Ah, that is in, in, at, 
Ja, het is in, het uh, niet voorbij in, uh, in de garden. En uh, we just need to propagate it and get that uh, multiplied and get it out into the industry. So where are the bulk of your vines now? Are they in Paul, where at Fairview? Because you've got spice root. I mean, everybody's dancing and sis boom boing about the Swartland. You've been in the Swartland forever, haven't you? You are Mr. Swartland. Um, I, I've got the, around Fairview. I have a thousand hectares of land, the, the immediate precinct, uh, and I've slowly planned to remove the vineyard from the valley floor and move it up to the mountainside. and And this is actually quite a good location. Uh, it's southern slope and uh, the nice cooling breeze in the evening, so it works reasonably well. I've got some land in Stellenbosch for Bordeaux varieties. Then I've got in the Swatland a farm called Klang Almoskale, which is 400 hectares. And then the very exciting area is Darling. Uh, I have about 120 hectares of vineyard in Darling. That's amazing. And do you just sort of hover around and when something comes up that takes your fancy, you go and put in an offer for it? Or how do you do it? Was it always yours? Was it your farm? Uh, no, no, I bought, acquired the land over time. And the reason why I went to the Swatland initially was because land was very cheap there. <laughs> and I happened to, and I happened to taste a very good Sauvignon Blanc in the Swatland co-op. And you know, Sauvignon Blanc is one of those varieties that is very sensitive to heat. And I thought that if this farm can produce a Sauvignon Blanc of that quality and distinction, uh, imagine what it can do with Rhone varieties. And I pursued that farm and I bought it uh, a couple of days later. And that was the start of the uh, spice. And I think the start of the sort of what they now call the Swatland uh, Revolution. Mm. And that was way back in 98. Yes, I remember. You know, I was just saying to somebody the other day, I don't know if you recall, but when I was at university, you could buy in a five-liter box, you could buy Swatland's co-op Shiraz. And I think that it was like 12 rand for five liters. And it was absolutely bloody delicious. That's what we lived on. Everybody you know, said they drank tussies at Vasya. I, I lived on that stuff that came out of the Swatland yeah. co-op boxes. It was yeah. brimming delicious. Do you, know, do you know the co-op, everybody says like we discovered the Swatland. That's not true. The Swatland has been making wine for many, yeah. many years. I think since the 1940s that co-op started there, even before that. And they were the excellent co-op that made excellent wine. And then, of course, there was Alles Verloren. Yes. That was also there for many, many years. So yeah. it's not that it was all of a sudden discovered by and us And what's happened all. to that cooperative? Is it still there? It is still there. Uh, it's going the way of a lot of cooperatives do. A lot of the good grapes have been pilfered out of the area by uh, other growers yeah. uh, to enhance the quality of grapes from other areas and names unmentioned. And those <laughs> carp then get the carp then runs dry of good quality, and uh, it becomes very economically not that viable. Yes. So Celia Gilloway, as we know, she's the darling of the wine industry. She has put together almost every single competition in the winery, in the wine industry in South Africa yeah. for as long as I can remember. And yeah. she started a little venture of her own, uh, I think two years, three years ago, called Events by Celia. And I support her yeah. as much as I can because what she tries to do is to give a little platform to strange or unusual grape varieties and new producers 
who are all producers, but with an emphasis on new producers who can't necessarily afford to enter all these other big, fancy, flashy competitions, which, as you know, can cost you money. Then you've got to send a case of wine. Then you've got to have a certain amount of cases available for sale. And so it can be quite a, a sort of an onerous thing. So CEDA has put these competitions together, which myself and a couple of the other judges in South Africa support actively. And I was asked, as I said, to go and chair the Melbach panel a few weeks ago. We do it all completely blind. It's audited by, by um, KPMG or somebody somebody reputable. And, and the winner was Fairview Melbach 2021. And it was honestly, Melbach's quite a tricky grape to drink on its own. Um, we're not Argentina. We're not Chile. We, we're South Africa. But clearly the grape loves whatever soil you're putting it into because it's deep and it's inky sort of blue-black and it's quite robust and you can definitely have it with a great big T-bone steak on a braai. It's, it's very well suited to the South African palate, I think. It was delicious wine, Charles. Thank you. Um, you know that if you take the Bordeaux family of red wines, I, I think that Malbec is the best suited to South African condition. Mm. A um, couple of reasons for slightly bigger barriers, so it's a bit more heat resistant. And if you look at where it performs well as a single variety around the world, it's in warmer areas. And that what that what prompted me to experiment with it and eventually plant it. Well, congratulations. Anybody who doesn't go and buy a case of that for Christmas is crazy because it's well priced and it's absolutely delicious. And I'm going to have a case for my all my brides and things this weekend, uh, this Christmas. Let's move on to what happened while I was sleeping. You rushed off to Georgia and went all Russian on the crowds and you're making wine in queries. How do I say the word? They're big clay pots. Quavery, Q-V-E-R-I. Mm. No, Quavery. Tell okay. us about that uh, you know, adventure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, as it's quite obvious, you can see I've been making, been the wine business for 44 years. And uh, I realized in all my winemaking travels and winemaking experiments and planting new vineyards, I realized there's something I'm missing, something I haven't discovered yet. And that eventually led me to Georgia, former part of Russia. And I went on an experimental tour and trip and tasting, and I discovered the most amazing wines. A whole lot of rubbish as well, but uh, some fantastic wine. They've got very strange grape varieties there, hey? They've they got 525 indigenous grape varieties. Lord, okay. In, it's, it's unbelievable. We've got, let's at the best one, Pinotage is not hardly indigenous, <laughs> but... Uh, it yeah. was developed. They got 525 of their own. Wow. It's just an amazing, uh, amazing opportunity to go and visit there. And then I discovered that they make what they call natural wine, which eventually is white wine that turns orange. So it's called orange wine. It's not made from oranges, from grapes <laughs> that turn in, that turn the color of the, of a, of an orange. And uh, I went to go and see how they make it and what they basically do. They harvest grapes. They tip it into a clay pot that's buried in the ground that's built in a specific fashion with a distinctive shape. And they just leave it in there fermenting on the skins for six months. And then they get their local uh, minister to come and make a prayer before opening the <laughs> pot. And I tell you what, you need to pray quite a lot to get good wine out of that pot after lying under the 
Yeah, I know. But now tell me, I've seen those pots in the ground. Do they just dig a hole that's big enough for the pot? Or do they put some things around the pot? Or is it it literally planting the pot? It's what you must put in the right soil. You put in in clay soil when it gets wet in the winter, the clay around the pot expands and crushes the pot. So you must be very careful where you can do it. And I imported, uh, it was a long story, I'm not going to bore you with all the details now, but I met the guy, the last remaining guy that makes clay pots in uh, in Georgia, in the high mountainous region where the clay is right and the whole story. And I bought a container of those pots. Of course and you they did. Were so, so, so there were 10 pots and they were 1,000 liters each. And the next year I bought another container of 1,200 liter pots. And we now make wine from organically grown grapes in the Swatland on the farm called Klang Almost Kale. And we just launched a range of natural wines made in clay pots. So what are you making in there? But before we go there, tell me now, that yeah. pot has got a big opening at the top. How do they close? How do you close that pot off? It's not, it's not that big. Uh, I actually sent my winemaker from uh, Klingham Scale to go make wine in Georgia. And the reason why I sent him, he was small enough to fit through the clay <laughs> pot, the aperture. <laughs> so, so do they? So, so you have to, to be a winemaker in Georgia. You can't be a <laughs> South African the front row. You won't manage it. You, you might get in, but you'll never get out of the pot. Anyway, so. <laughs> so talk to me so, about this pot. So you put it in the ground, and yeah. do you ferment the wine and age it and everything, or it's the stay? Everything. So what? So, so what we've done? The aperture is only about seven hundred and fifty millimeters. So you, it's quite a job to get in there. All right. right? Uh, but we just tip the grapes in with their stalks and all, okay? And we just leave it there and allow it to spontaneously start fermenting without any addition of any chemical whatsoever. And no there's salt no and crushing no or anything. Is it all like carbonic Sometimes, maceration? Uh, so mostly carbonic maceration. Sometimes we do a, a mixture of both techniques, having whole grapes at the bottom and destalked grapes on the top. So we played around with different combinations. Yeah. And uh, it's just amazing. And then after fermentation, we seal the, the pot with a plate glass lid with a special wax that we seal it onto it. And we just leave it like that. And how long do you leave it in the pot for like that? Anything from three to nine months, depending on what we're wanting to do. And white and red? We do white and red. And you know what? We've also just done a rosé, which was quite easy to do. We took 95% Grenache Blanc and 5% Grenache Noir and co-fermented in the pot. And we oh, came yeah. up with this amazing rosé. Is it delicious? And then you, it's don't amazing put, wine. you don't put any sulfur in to stop any fermentation process or nothing, anything. So nothing. pure natural wine. It's natural wine. And you know, the, what I learned in Georgia, the extended skin contact extracts a lot of polyphenols or yeah. tannins out yeah. of the, pit, the pips and the stalks, yeah. and the Georgians view the polyphenols, which are antioxidants, as sufficient or suffice to protect the wine against oxidation, and that's 100% the fact. So the, they say the grape gives you everything, why must you go mess around and add chemicals to it? it? It's true. Now, there's been a lot of talk in London circles around this orange wine, which I have mm. probably mistakenly thought of as fraught, oxidative, horrible stinky wine clearly not is that exactly what it is same stuff i think what 
I think what we've managed to do, because, uh, you know, we drive a technology in our cellars the whole time, and our winemakers are very technologically adept. And so what we've done is take high technology and hygiene and combine it with the old-fashioned biblical way of making wine. And I think we've come up with a better product than what the Georgians have. Really? So what are you making in these clay pots now? Tell us, so that we can all rush out uh, and buy some. Have you released it into no, the market? No, uh, you can't buy it. You'll have to get hold of me to get some. Uh, mm. We don't sell it anywhere other than people that phone us for it. So it's sort of on uh, demand. Uh, it's a, the white wine is a blend of different varieties, including Sauvignon Chen and Grenache Blanc, and another variety not known in South Africa, Petit Manseng. And the reason why I planted Petit Manseng for natural wine, it's extremely high in acidity. So you use a component of that in the, in the blend, so you yeah. don't have to acidify the grape, so it's mm. completely natural. Red wine, mainly Shiraz Grenache Noir. And then the rosé uh, blend of the of the two. And Charles, the the wine is not all flabby and sort of all over the place like it can. It doesn't undergo too I, much I'm, of malolactic or anything. Now I'm going to send you some bottles, and you're going to be blown away. And it's really? all food wine. And Georgian culture of enjoying wine is amazing. Uh, they're very similar to South Africans. They love uh, rugby and they love brying and they like drinking. Uh, so they're a cool <laughs> bunch of people. What's not like? I know. Well, we should move there. And <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing bunch of people, and I, I've actually got good ties with them now, and and I look forward to visiting this. Well, in you the know, it's again. interesting you say that. I've got some cousins who live in South Africa. They have a hotel and. Um, Madagascar as well. But they went over on a holiday to Georgia, specifically to go and taste the wines of Georgia. And he came back, they came back and he could not speak highly enough of it. He absolutely loved it. He said they, everybody should put it onto their bucket list because it's such a fun place to be. No, it really is. Mm. So how many different wines have you got? You've got a red, a white and a rosé. I've got a red, white and a rosé. And one very orange wine. My red, white, and rosé are, I would say, more mainstream, although made in queries in the natural way. And then just to show we can uh, do the orange, more orange than Georgia, I made 100% a extended skin contact white wine in very limited quantities. And what, and did, a very what unusual did you use? I'll use Grenache Blanc on that one. 100%. And Charles, how do you get the wine out of the egg? With extreme difficulty, uh, you 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 put a hose, a suction uh, pipe into the thing with a strainer around it. it. You suck it out with a pump, and then ultimately you have to climb into that clay pot to clean it. And it has to be scrubbed with cherry bark uh, to sterilize. How do you clean it with? And how often can you use that same clay pot? Because I think they used to rub them with beeswax, didn't they? You're 100% right. After it comes out of a, the kiln where it's fired, mm. they put they take a big mop and they mop the inside with beeswax. Uh, so that's 100% correct. And the main, the best way of keeping these queries is keeping them full of good wine. And and how often can you use it? Just forever and ever. And ever? Uh, forever and ever. There's some queries in Georgia that are. In the in the ground for thousands of years. No. You know they've been making wine for eight thousand years in Georgia. I believe so. I believe no. so. It's absolutely alarming. And and dare I ask about 
you're probably the smartest businessman in the wine industry. What's the money implications of this? Is it more or less expensive to make wine in Cuevries? No, just a correction on that. If I was the smartest guy in the wine business, I, w I wouldn't be in the wine business. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Solly's the smartest man in the wine business. No, Solly's, uh, Solly's in the right end of the... I, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the wine business. I'm in the pleasure of enjoying making and growing grapes and making I wine. Know. I don't I see it as a business. I see it as a, as a passion. And I really, I'm, uh, the reward is this enjoyment I get out doing things like the Malbec and the clay pot wine. Uh, the financial implications of the clay pots, I'm never going to make any return in my lifetime. Okay, that I can promise you out of those clay That's pots. That's what I suspected. I didn't want to upset yeah. everybody, but I thought. <laughs> no, to get them here yeah, and the trouble that we went through and the mistakes we made and all that, you're never going to see the money back. But it's going to create a new category of wine. And I think South Africa is ideally suited to producing this. And all the trendy wine bars around the world today are serving orange wines and natural wines. And it's in touch what the consumer requires in the future, completely natural, uh, done authentically, done with integrity and an honest product that can enhance any occasion. Well, maybe we can sell it as the antidote for stupidity because I think the human race is going backwards at such a rate of knots. So maybe if we tell everybody that they drink the perfectly natural wine, because you farm organically as well, don't you? That's organically certified as well. Mm -hmm. And that's what is the beauty about the Swatland. I think we're going to hit the next frontier where those old bush vines that are there are so in sync with the environment and require so little human intervention, it's very easy to convert them. It takes you three years of conversion, but to convert it to organically oh, grown really? grapes. The area is ideal for that. And I think the consumer in the future is going to be more concerned about the environmental factors as we suffer with global warming now. Oh. So I think the Swatland can lead the way in organic wine in the future. It sounds brilliant. I must speak to you about something else because someone came to see me the other day about an unbelievable thing that I need clever people like you to help me with. It is a byproduct of garnet mining. And it is the most unbelievable fertilizer for farming soil. But we'll keep that for another day. Okay, Charles, your... Your journey in the South African wine industry is just, it's been so inspirational to me. I remember when I came back from England, I went to work with Sully, and you were probably one of the first wine farmers that I met because you and Solomon were friends. And I remember thinking to myself, my God, this person's energy is just infectious and contagious. And I've just watched you for 35 years. Get 44, better, better. unfortunately. You're just an absolute star. Thank you for everything you do for our industry. I don't know if anybody knows how big your contribution has been, but I'll tell them. It's been absolutely massive. So congratulations on the Malbec, and thank you for telling I can't wait to taste that Cuevy stuff. I'm going to tell okay. everybody oh. about it, and they have to phone you direct on the farm for it, hey? Yeah, you can. anybody interested in the Cuevy wine, you can get hold of me, Charles at Fairview. Lots and lots of love. Thank Are you, you going away for the holidays? No, what's that? <laughs>
<laughs> You're not allowed to do Christmas this, anyway. You're Jewish. I, that, that's my holiday. No, but I, cel- I celebrate with everybody. Good. Well, when you come to Johannesburg... Any, op- any opportunity to share a glass of wine with friends, come, I'm there. Put some bottles into a bag and come to Johannesburg and celebrate with me. I'd love to do that. But do I'll send that? the bottles in advance. I can't promise I'll be there yet. Okay, okay well, I'll wait for you. You're more important than the bottles. Okay. Thank you very, very much, my darling. Lots of my love. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.